Hi, my name is Pete Redden, and welcome to The Way I Taught It, Next Level Aviation Knowledge in Microbursts. Welcome to another edition of The Way I Taught It. I'd like to make a quick pitch for the Veterans Community Project, or VCP. They are a nonprofit organization out of Kansas City dedicated to supporting every man and woman who took the oath for our country. They are determined to make a difference in the lives of homeless veterans, a task accomplished by the community for the community. Veterans Community Project, VCP. Check them out. You can find them on Facebook, LinkedIn, or at Veterans Community Project, all one word, dot org. On with today's lesson, Eights on Pylons. So why eights on pylons? Why do commercial pilots have to demonstrate eights on pylons? Well, let's get into it. We'll talk about it. We'll talk about the maneuver, and we'll try and put uh, some common sense behind what the airplane flying handbook says to do. Why ground reference maneuvers in the first place? Bottom line up front, we are flying a moving airplane within a moving air mass in relationship to a non-moving ground, respectively. Ground reference maneuvers develops a pilot's skill for the division of attention. We have to look out front of the airplane and see where we're going. We have to look out the side of the airplane with regards to a reference point that is in place of a runway, potentially. And then we have to look at our parameters, our airspeed and our altitude and our power settings, and maybe our flap settings if it's a, a ground reference maneuver that's a rectangular pattern that happens to be a traffic pattern. And you have to be able to develop the division of attention skill, and this is how we do it through ground reference maneuvers. In addition, the pilot should be able to scan for hazards such as other aircraft, prepare for an emergency landing should the need arise, and scan the flight and engine instruments on regular intervals to ensure that a pending situation, such as decreasing oil pressure, does not turn into an unexpected incident. We have to do this at a foundational level. So on those days when it's real windy, and you're thinking to yourself, you know what, today's not a good day to go up and uh, do takeoffs and landings or a pattern lesson. It's probably the time to go up and do ground left reference maneuvers so that your learner can see the impacts of the wind as they move through that air mass that's moving along the ground. We've become so focused on accomplishing the maneuver for the practical exam, we've forgotten the principles behind the maneuver or the why. So let's go ahead and we'll talk about those today. All this comes out of the Airplane Flying Handbook, chapters 1, 4, and 7. So how do we do eights on pylons after reading the, the Airplane Flying Handbook? It seems very confusing. And it is because I think they forgot to put a, a section break in between how do you demonstrate the need for eights on pylons and then actually how do you do the maneuver itself, and it becomes a little bit confusing, so we'll try and clear that up. First, during pre-flight planning, you're supposed to calculate the pivotal altitude for each segment of your eights on pylons maneuver. Basically, you're supposed to determine your ground speed on downwind, crosswind, and upwind, and then determine the pivotal altitude for each one of those based on your ground speed. The Airplane Flying Handbook provides a great graphic for reference on page 7-15. So take a look at the surface winds, determine your ground speed for the different positions throughout the maneuver, reference the graphic, and jot down what your altitudes are gonna be like. Now, this doesn't mean you have to perfectly hit these altitudes, but what it does is it gives you a mental picture of where the airplane is going to be maneuvering. Is it gonna be climbing 
or descending in these different positions throughout the eights on pylons maneuver. When you're starting the maneuver, the Airplane Flying Handbook specifically states to use clearing turns. The Airman Certification Standards say to clear the area. Also in the Airplane Flying Handbook on page 1-12, it states that there are many techniques to clear the area, not just clearing turns. Bottom line, make sure you are purposefully looking outside for threats prior to descending down to accomplish any ground reference maneuver. What are we looking for? Well, the Airplane Flying Handbook states we are looking for other traffic, a place to land if our engine quits, and obstacles that may become threats during the maneuver. The next thing we have to do is determine points for our turns to occur on a line perpendicular to the wind. There should only be about three to five seconds between these points per the Airplane Flying Handbook. Let me repeat that. There should only be three to five seconds between your points of straight and level flight. Not six, not eight, not 10, not 15. I find that the points, if you pick points that are further apart than three to five seconds, it makes the maneuver incredibly harder to accomplish. Now that we have our points, we must maneuver the aircraft to enter on a downwind, 45 degrees to the line created by the points. You may want to pick your points along a straight line reference that will help you visualize where that 45 degree entry is. Also, don't be afraid to use satellite pictures of your practice area during your pre-flight planning to find some points and use your foreflight or your Garmin pilot to measure between those points and make sure that those points are three to five seconds apart. You can do this all during pre-flight planning, then fly to that field or fly to that location, and then you don't have to think at all. You just go ahead and enter the maneuver. Also, your airspeed must be at or below maneuvering speed during this entire maneuver. This information is acquired in the introductory paragraphs to ground reference maneuvering on page 7-2. We are now downwind at our pivotal altitude and trimmed up with a stable power setting to maintain at or below maneuvering speed while maintaining altitude during the entire maneuver. Now, we're not going to maintain altitude during the entire maneuver, but we have to maintain an airspeed at or below maneuvering speed. And the way we do that is establish pitch and power on the entry leg so that we are trimmed to maintain altitude and trimmed to maintain airspeed and we have a proper power setting. That way, when we enter the maneuver, and we start to adjust our pitch up and down in relationship to our point, our airspeed is going to uh, slow or accelerate based on whether we're going up or down, and that's going to allow our airspeed to remain at or below maneuvering speed throughout the entire maneuver. Okay, so altitude is going to change as we determined in pre-flight planning, but our power setting should remain constant through the entire maneuver. And that's based on uh, chapter four energy maneuvering in the airplane flying handbook. Let's talk clearing and scanning through the maneuver. I like to teach the triad of clearing. That's what I call it. Basically think of a triangle and the three points are made up of the following. Looking out the front windscreen to make a pitch adjustment, looking out the left or right window at your reference point, and then cross-checking your instruments, specifically airspeed in this maneuver, to ensure that you're not over-speeding the airplane or going beyond maneuvering speed. If you go beyond maneuvering speed, you have to knock the maneuver off because it's considered unsafe at that point. When you go to roll into the bank for the first turn, as you're entering on the 45, wait until that point is perfectly in line with your reference line that you're using with regards to your airplane. I see folks all the time start a very small, insidious bank anticipating the larger bank and they do this to, and they find themselves with their 
point ahead of their reference line and they begin to descend instead of ascend in the first pitch movement and they immediately end up exceeding maneuvering speed which on a practical exam would be a disapproval if the maneuver was not terminated at that point and reset. So the first movement, keep those wings level until that point intercepts your reference line and then you can anticipate because of the higher ground speed you have, you're going to have to pitch up to maintain your reference line on reference point. That's going to slow your indicated airspeed, it's going to slow your ground speed, and it's going to also tighten your turn circle. Now, as you begin the maneuver, you have your bank angle set, you have your point on your reference line, whatever bank angle that takes, it should be closer to your, your steeper bank angle. You are going to uh, increase the pitch, and then you're going to come around. That's going to slow your ground speed, tighten your turn circle, bring you closer to your point, keep your point on your reference line, and then you're eventually going to go into the headwind, which is going to further slow your ground speed, further tighten your turn circle, and your point is going to maneuver ahead of your reference line, which is going to re require you to release the back pressure in the yoke or the stick. So you increase your indicated airspeed, begin to increase your ground speed, which opens up your turn circle, and that reference line will move back onto your point. So just remember, the yoke or stick follows the reference point. If the reference point is moving aft of your reference line, your stick or your yoke should move aft. If it's moving forward of your reference line, your stick or your yoke should move forward to follow the point. After about 135 degrees, you're again, you're entering that headwind, and then after about another 90, you're going to be on that 45 degree crossing route. Uh, that's going to be three to five seconds for you to cross over and begin your turn to the opposite direction. Remember, we're talking about stick pressure. So as we pull back on the stick, there's going to be, the airplane's going to kind of be fighting us because it's trimmed up for a maneuvering speed. And then as the point moves forward, we're going to release that back pressure back towards the neutral point. We're not going to shove the stick forward. We're going to release that back pressure so the airplane accelerates in a controlled manner back towards maneuvering speed and back towards our original altitude for the 45 uh, degree crossing line. Don't forget to try of clearing while you're doing all of this. Let's talk bank angles. I've seen a significant increase in hesitation of bank angles of learners over 15 to 20 degrees. I'm not sure why this is. It seems like folks are just really hesitant to go over 20 degrees of bank. This will not work for ground reference maneuvers. The Airplane Flying Handbook specifically states for ground reference maneuvers, bank angles should not exceed 45 degrees of bank. Specifically for ATOM pylons, the Airman Certification Standards state not to exceed 40 degrees of bank. I would contend to you that your steepest bank in ATOM pylons, or for that matter, any ground reference maneuver, should be planned to be close to 30 to 35 degrees of bank for the steepest bank during the steepest part of the maneuver. So to recap, determine your pivotal altitude during pre-flight planning. Don't do it after you get in the airplane. Do it during your pre-flight planning. It is specifically stated in the Airplane Flying Handbook to do it that way. Clear the area prior to descending in for the maneuver. Look for your emergency airfield as well. Because if you have an engine failure at low altitude, you cannot think then, where am I going? You have to already know. Ensure you are choosing points three to five seconds apart perpendicular to the wind. Once established on the entry leg, ensure your power settings and trim are locked in 
for a speed at or below maneuvering speed and then maintain at or below maneuvering speed for the entire maneuver. If you're exceeding maneuvering speed during a maneuver, you're doing eights on pylons wrong. Establish your triad of clearing. You're looking out the front window for pitch changes. You're looking at your point uh, left or right in reference to your reference line to see if you are uh, creeping ahead or creeping behind your point. And then you're cross-checking your airspeed specifically in eights on pylons to ensure that you are not exceeding maneuvering speed. If the reference point moves aft, so does your sticker yoke. If it moves forward, so does your sticker yoke. As you maneuver into the headwind, anticipate relaxing back pressure as the point moves forward of your reference line and accelerating back towards, but not in excess of entry airspeed, which should be at or below maneuvering speed. Cross at the 45 degree point for three to five seconds, accomplish in the other direction. Again, I'm Pete Redden, and that's another episode of The Way I Taught It. Thank you for finding this podcast worthy of your inclusion in your study of aviation. Please leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. If not, please leave your feedback on Apple Podcasts on how we can improve this podcast and the associated less than five-star review. Also, go to a Facebook page for The Way I Taught It. We publish all the episodes there and uh, join the conversation in regards to answering and asking questions about the podcast to clear up any confusion that may have been caused by it. Until next time, fly safe, fly smart. That's the way I taught it. Episode references, Airplane Flying Handbook, chapters 1, 4, 7, and personal experience.